everybody. Good evening. What? That's not me. That's me from like so long ago. What has happened? No! Of course. Of course. Well, hold on, everybody. Of course. What's going on? See? This is what happens in Quite Frankly Studio. Become a sponsor, please, because obviously we've got lots of problems over here. Got lots of tech problems over here. Got got uh, cameras that are freezing up on me. I got to spend $600 after this show uh, is over because TeamViewer has determined that Jim Lee has logged into this computer to fix some things up way too much for it to be just a, a relationship amongst friends. So I have to buy a business account, which is about a, I don't know how much a month, but it, it comes out to 600 something dollars a year and they need you to buy it annually. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of, we've got issues. So, uh, thank you for joining me tonight. Man, it would have been great if that would have shit the bed on me maybe five minutes ago before I started the show up, but here we go. Now I'll be looking in the wrong direction all night um, and have to make adjustments on the fly. But uh, it is Tuesday night, I think. Tuesday night. We've got our good buddy, Timothy Gordon, coming back on because I just want to talk to him about a bunch of stuff. There is this Satan... Satan convention in Boston, Massachusetts. I guess if there's any place that would be top of my list to have a Satan convention, it would be Boston too. But there is a convention in Boston, bunch of witches and warlocks and people who pretend to not be theistic in any way, shape, or form or ripping the Bible apart and all that stuff. And I want to talk about Christian tolerance just for a little bit. I also want to ask him about what uh, what he thinks the Pope is doing in secret to bring this Ukrainian-Russian conflict to an end, which of course can't be done without the uh, without the blessing or the coordination with the CIA. So that's uh, that's something else there. There's a few other things I want to bring up with Tim and just uh, and just hang out, talk a little bit about that Crusader mentality. Um, but we have to do some news first, and then I I don't know. It should be a pretty jam-packed show. Pretty packed show, if you ask me. Um, so thank you so much for joining me tonight. I want to remind you all that we have a, hold on, there I am again. I just wanted to remind you all that we have a, let me get the hell out of here now. Now I got to make this up here. I got to bring my frozen ass down there. Ugh. Ugh. It never ends. It just never ends. And to think it used to be so much worse, we used to have the... We used to have, I mean, the, the whole stream knock on something that resembles wood. The whole stream used to cut out all the time because of the, the, the broadcast platform and, and the, uh, the encoder that we were using years ago. My mic stand was sliding all over the place. This was a play school production because we didn't have too much, but always work to be done. Thank you for joining me. And that's what we're doing tonight. The news section of tonight's show is going to start in just a moment. I want to jump into that right now because it's uh, it's one of those things that uh, we talked about the fourth turning last night and 
today is just dog pile after dog pile after dog pile and the layers of dog pile getting a little bit claustrophobic in here but at the same time very funny especially when it comes to that uh that psycho stewardess at the white house Corinne jean-pierre she's just giving up at this point just giving up not just not answering questions Anytime somebody brings something up that is hard for her to ask, she says, please stop with the dramatics, and then moves on. She does a... That's Corinne Jean-Pierre. What a clown, clownish stewardess. That's what she'd be. She should be on a JetBlue... No, no, Virgin Airlines flight. She should be working Virgin Airlines flights, uh, domestic flights in the U.S., giving everybody... Stale peanuts. That's what she's good for. But, uh, but now she's got a big job, a very big job to do. Leave her alone. All right, let's get into this, shall we? First one, uh, oh, I want to have a couple of the things I have to announce. Tomorrow, of course, we have Sean from the SGT report on. That'll be cool because it's been a long time since I've spoken with Sean. Well, I was on his show not too long ago, but he, it's been a while since he's on with me. And I like talking about things that have been blowing his mind lately. Raw Egg Nationalist is on the show on Thursday night. That'll be a good time to talk about nutrition and farming and the attack on all of the above. Matt will be here in here for Cinco de Mayo. Very, very. We, we celebrate privately, usually. But um, Friday night will be good. Our buddy Vinny is going to be in here. Vinny Brusco of the Vinny Brusco Show. Very good friend of mine. I can't wait to introduce him to you all. And then next week, uh, we're looking really good. I'm not going to talk about that just yet because I want to say we have added Mel K on May 31st. On May 31st, Mel K is going to be on the show. She's going to be in the studio. You know, she's spending less and less time in New York these days. She's another one looking for greener pastures. Well, not greener, redder pastures. Because you want to know what's going on in New York? Listen to this. The New York State, this is just coming out not too long ago um, from CNBC. New York State is poised to become the first state in the country to pass a law banning fossil fuel combustion in most new buildings, getting rid of gas stoves, furnaces, propane heating per CNBC. The state is dead. We are dead in the water. Dead in the water. And it's not going to be confined to here, ladies and gentlemen. It is not going to be confined to here. Now, thankfully, I have long since decided that uh, Lauren and I will never be buying a house in New York. When the time comes, and that time is rapidly approaching, we will be developing something somewhere that is going to be sane at least for one more lifetime. That is, of course, unless they go and trigger uh, Yellowstone. <laughs> unless they're going to go trigger the Yellowstone supervolcano somehow. Then that's another story. But uh, New York New York State has just sacrificially slit its own throat. And you should see these, these losers. There's this one loser in here. His name is August V. He's a dad, you know. And he's from New York City. And August says, yes, as there are cleaner for uh, people and the environment alternatives out there. And we also get tax credits for making the switch, which will also 
make the cost of doing so a wash for developers and homeowners. So banning? So big. So explain the banning part of this. It's such a good, cost-efficient, high-quality idea. Why are all other options for building, developing, maintaining structures in the state of New York made illegal? Fucking piece of trash. Everybody, I, I'm certain the, the pieces of trash that we have to live around, they're just so pathetic, and they're so, their heads are so far up their asses. It's just... It's, the, the, again, I don't know how else to say this. I will find new analogies. I'll find new metaphors. I'll find them. I'll look all over the place. I'll find them. The best ones still I can think of are the dancing morons on the top of the buildings in the movie Independence Day who went up there to greet the aliens and they put up their signs. They're like, well, take me, take welcome. Earth welcomes you. And then they are just the first ones to just get flattened. They only realize they made a mistake when the big blue light comes down. Dumbasses. I just wish we could localize the damage on them. That's that's what I wish. I, I would, I'm fine with people having their, their fantasies. They can have their fantasies just fine. I want the damage to be localized on them. Their big dumb fucking blue faces. So Mel K will be in the studio. On May 31st. I'm sure she'll have something like that to say, too. Uh, Leo Zagami will be coming back on June 8th. I'm booking into June now. Good stuff is in the works. More and more and more. I even found a guy, and I have to get him on the on the phone and work all this out. I even found a guy who started a EMF uh, company that... He claims he has he is uh, sitting on proprietary software or proprietary technology that breaks up uh, electromagnetic frequency interference inside of a house. And I say, is this too good to be true? So I'm working on him coming on just because I want to learn about the science behind this. And, uh, and of course, that'll be interesting to see what the audience has to say because we have very specialized people in the audience who are always very skeptical or excited. I, when, I, when I get validation from the audience sometimes of, uh, of things like this, that's even more exciting for me. But um, we'll see. I'll give you all of that as it comes along. As far as the book club for summer, for June, ladies and gents, I don't know what we're going to be doing yet because I kind of scratched Democracy in America when I realized that it was a multi-volume, gigantic, bigger-than-windswept house Something I want to read on my own for sure, but I don't think we can turn that into a book club uh, book club pick and have it really be um, anything that that will be efficient and and we'll be able to draw a lot of people in. I'm thinking about something like Ready Player One or Shoeless Joe Jackson, uh, the the book that Field of Dreams was was uh, based on, and I I'll let you know very very soon because I know it's May and everybody would need a couple of weeks to get in on that and. And yeah, so I'll let you know. All right, into the grab bag we go. Into the grab bag we go. First one up, where the hell am I? Here I am. I'm on the wrong side of it all now. Vermont's Republic. Oh, this is very good news for everybody out there who is uh, thinking about killing themselves. 
Vermont's Republican governor approves assisted suicide for non-residents. So if you're thinking about killing yourself, you can now go to the state of Vermont. I know usually in a saner time, Vermont, New York, whatever they say, come come see Vermont. We've got the trees. We've got the beautiful mountains. See the countryside in New England like you've never seen before. Now you can just, of course, uh, invest a little bit in death tourism which is a new thing that is becoming um, relevant in not only this country, but around the world. That's just where we're at, death tourism. If you're not a uh, citizen of Vermont, don't worry about it. You can still go there and kill yourself. Vermont has passed legislation that will open its assisted suicide program to non-residents within the state. Republican Governor Phil Scott, what a guy, huh? signed a bill on Tuesday that removes residency requirements for medically assisted suicide in Vermont. We are grateful to Vermont lawmakers for recognizing that a state border shouldn't be determined if you die peacefully or in agony. Here's my question for this. I would love for somebody to explain this to me. Now, we don't have to talk about the morality of this. I want to talk about the the logistics. What is in it for state governments for any government out there to aside from just wanting people gone why are they doing this i mean if somebody decides to take their lives if somebody decides to go to any pharmacy in the country and just raid the uh i mean you can go and get enough stuff in any pharmacy OTC to kill you all right for probably under a hundred dollars this is not an advertising thing I'm just I'm just I worked in pharmacies I I know about uh, the, the chemicals that are all up there I mean you can kill yourself with enough water aside from just drowning it's just it's just one of those things where uh, if somebody kills themselves they are not going to be able to be prosecuted so this whole idea of, I mean, whatever. If they tell their family, I'm going to do it, I would like for you to be there with me. What is it, does it make the family uh, culpable? Or is, is that the whole thing? That you wanna be able to be open about it and you don't want your family to have to suffer le- legal uh, consequences? I mean, you can always just tell them and they don't have to come over that night. It could be a, so, I don't understand this. Why they're getting into into this this business why are they getting into the business end of it like people don't already kill themselves in vermont why do they want to make it so that uh, hey it's okay doctors can kill you like this is some some like you have to go to a brain surgeon to make sure that the blood clot the aneurysm in your brain is is sewed up that they can save your lives that's specialty surgery you're ending your life if that's really what you're going for what why do you need to go find a fucking doctor i don't understand this is it make it less of a sin if somebody else did it i don't get it but um so this is going on and that's vermont man you know it makes you wonder like who is who is this uh governor phil scott like who is that guy how the hell did he get elected as a Republican in Vermont? Obviously, he's not very conservative, whoever the fuck he is, especially since this is a 
a state that sends the drooling tuna fish man Bernie Sanders to the the Senate every six years so there's just so much Biden talking about drooling he's sending 1500 troops to the border but not to secure the border Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, another liar, war criminal, on Tuesday agreed to send 1,500 U.S. soldiers to the Mexico border at the Biden administration, probably to change diapers of all the migrant children, though only to perform administrative tasks with Title 42 set to end next week. For 90 days, these 1,500 military personnel will fill critical capability gaps, such as ground-based detection and monitoring, data entry and warehouse support until border patrol agents can address these needs throughout contracted support, said Pentagon spokesperson Brigadier General Pat Ryder. The Department of Homeland Security requested the Pentagon's assistance to get ahead of the expected surge of migrants when Title 42 expires on May 11th. The active duty units will focus on the logistical duties rather than enforcement, leaving Border Patrol to devote their resources to stemming the coming tide of tens of thousands of illegal border crossers. It's just, we're just getting, we're getting, the, the last lifeboat is finally being totally consumed. Military personnel will not directly participate in law enforcement activities, Ryder said. Yeah, they should be lined up at the border. Lined up at the border. Telling people, turn around. Turn around. This deployment to the border is consistent with other forms of military support to DHS over many years. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre claimed Tuesday that troops have been sent to the border for almost two decades now, but those forces are typically drawn from National Guard. It's rare for the Pentagon to deploy active duty troops domestically. With just a week before troops are set to deploy, Ryder said the Pentagon chose to send active duty forces over reserve units in order to get them to the border faster, because they run faster. This is about being responsive. The ability to rapidly provide support from active duties forces is really the key here, Ryder said. Calling up reserve component forces involves some time associated with that. In the meantime, the Pentagon will continue to explore other options, such as deploying reserve units. How about active denial systems? How about active denial systems? Get all of the sound, the sound uh, and, the, and the water cannons ready. How about that? Sound cannons and water cannons. Go back home. News of the deployment comes after Biden on Thursday signed an executive order empowering the Pentagon and Department of Homeland Security to deploy active duty and reserve military and Coast Guard personnel to address international drug trafficking. What a, what a damn mess. What a damn mess. The authority comes from a December 15, 2021, Biden declared national security emergency to address the unusual and extraordinary threat to the national security, foreign policy, and economy of the United States posed by international drug trafficking. Right. Uh, on May 11th, an anticipated surge. That's what's going on over here. The anticipated surge because Title 42... There you go. There's your new neighbors. There's your new neighbors. And it's bad, man. It's just it's just shit. It's a real shit show. And they're just again, they sent CNN sent down this Rosa Flores to report on on what was going on in El Paso, and it's just 
it's just Mexicans and 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 El Salvadorians and all these these foreign nationals. It's difficult to describe Jim with words, so I want to walk. All men. It's all men. So you can walk with me and just see the magnitude of the number of individuals who are around this church here, just just streets from downtown El Paso. A lot of these individuals you'll see are males, adult males. A lot of the women with children are actually in shelters and a network of shelters throughout El Paso. As you mentioned, the city of El Paso. Ten to one men. Probably more. Ten to one men. Laying around. Oh, man. Can you imagine living in El Paso? Yeah, yeah. That's. I'm thinking the same thing, Frank. Can you imagine living in El Paso? My gosh. It's just great. But if you go ask the crazy nut, you go. You ask the, the crazy nut at the White House, Corinne Jean-Pierre, she'll say this. She'll say that, that illegal immigration is actually down by 90%. I don't know in, in what universe. Maybe she's talking about parallel universes and a project that CERN is working on. I don't know. She said yesterday that illegal immigration has dropped 92% under the Biden administration. Uh, here, listen. This president has taken... He has tools that he's used to, to make sure that we do this. We actually deal with the immigration system in a humane way uh, and in a, in a way that is uh, uh, that uh, actually. Uh, how can she blink with her eyes already closed is what I don't get. Look at Look at this. I mean, look at it. Do you ever notice that? Because she puts all this metallic, shiny eyeshadow on her eyes. Like she has golden eyeballs, it looks like, when she closes her eyes. But still, her eyes are just bouncing all over the place. Your eyes are already closed. Why are they blinking? How How is it possible? Is she an alligator? I know alligators have two sets of eyelids so they can see underwater, but what the fuck is going on with this woman? Watch her eyeballs. Uh, in, a, in a way that Look. is, uh, uh, that actually deals. What was that, Morse code? What is, what is happening? with what we're seeing at the border. And that's why you've seen the parolee program be so successful. Uh, it has, it has, um, it has uh, uh, when it comes to illegal migration, you've seen it come down uh, by more than 90%. Yeah, I, I mean, I see, I, she, I, I don't know what, the, I don't even know what to say. Like I said, she has, she's completely stopped trying. So just, just don't. Don't even try that with her. It has completely stopped trying. Listen to this. Here's some more stuff. Somebody asked him, asked her about the CIA, uh, some of the, the, the Epstein ties to the CIA again, which is not a, should be surprising to anybody, but this is what she's been doing a lot lately. Does Biden have any reaction to CIA Director William Burns meeting with Jeffrey Epstein in 2014? This obviously was after Epstein had served time for a sex crime and registered as a sex offender. I'm just not going to comment on that from here. Yeah, she's not going to comment on that. For those of you who didn't hear what she said, asking about how William Burns in 2014, who the then CIA director, that is under uh, under Vice President Biden and his boss, his still boss today, uh, met with Jeffrey Epstein, who at that time already had sex offender status. Well, it, it's uh, she doesn't have to, you know, comment on it. Of course, she won't. She won't. But what, who do you think those big, scary people Cindy McCain was talking about? Everybody knew Epstein was out there, but nobody was doing anything for some reason. Hmm. Why do you think he only got 13 months of 
of house arrest and and just barely given a sex offender status over there that he was actually able to leave his house to go to work every day because there was somebody bigger than Alex Costa and all the people at the FBI who were putting together the goods on him and his network of uh, of degenerates and blackmailers and um, and monsters during Operation Leap Year. Why do you think all that went out the window? Much bigger fish, much bigger fish than the FBI even. CIA is a good place to start, of course, but I'll, I'm just not gonna comment on that, she said. She didn't wanna comment on all the, all the very worthwhile questions asked about crackhead Biden's illegitimate children. Didn't wanna talk about that, of course, that's, not, that, that's, that's non, a non-issue. Um, illegal immigration, as we said before, is apparently down 90%. Just why, why did she even get dressed in the morning? Why did she even get dressed in the morning? I don't understand. My gosh. My gosh. I, it, I'll tell you, there's probably some days. There are probably some days where she wishes that lesbians were invisible again. On Lesbian Visibility Day, it's probably very good to get to... Oh, I'm sorry, Frank. But she probably wishes that lesbians were invisible on most days, that she has to go to work now at first. But she's not the only one. She's not the only one. Listen to this. Um, the, the Biden White House, the Council of Economic Advisors, Heather Bushy, more like he- Heather Bushit. Another whammon comes out there and listen to what she says, a Biden economic advisor says that, uh, don't worry, we're getting up every day and we're working on the economy. But the most important thing, I'm an economist who works here at the White House, we get up here, we get up every day making sure that this economy is delivering for working people all across the country. Oh, really? How do you do that? No no, um, details as to how she's doing that, but, you know, Heather Bushit over here, with her big moon face, big nice pale face moon face. I wake up every day making sure the economy is is delivering for you. An economy is working people. Working people are an economy, you know? Perhaps you should wake up in the morning and leave everyone the fuck alone. Try doing that, Heather Boo shit. Try doing that. No? No. You're too much of a busybody, right? Got kicked out of her crochet club, this one. Anyway, we'll be back. I'm very angry now. This <laughs> uh, We'll be back at 722. Timothy Gordon will be on with us in just a little bit, and I cannot wait for that. Hold on, let me get, uh, let me get upset Frank over here. Send him down there. Oh, that's not what I wanted to do. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Just a little bit of a reminder, a word to the wise, if you will. Do not worry about the worries from yesterday. Leave it in the past. Move forward with confidence because there are so many new things to be experienced today. New joy to be had. So move forward, be strong, and have a great rest of your day.
You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Happy to have you here. New experience to be had. Um, the show has now begun. All that other stuff before was just practice. That was just me being an idiot. I hope I didn't turn you off too much. But now it's time to do the real work. And if you'd like to be a part of tonight's show, I will, I will say this. Tomorrow I will have a brand new way of calling into the show with a new phone number. I was trying to save this one, but who cares? I had this one for many years. We'll get rid of it. I don't care. And not only is it going to be just as good, it's going to be better. I'll tell you why. Because I am going to get coached by a good buddy of mine, Adel, on how to use this Zoom in a way where you'll be able to call in with a phone or with your Zoom if you have one. And it'll be an open webinar kind of a thing. And, and not only will I be able to take calls that way, with either a phone or a computer, just like Skype, but I will also able be able to bring you in to uh, conversations I'm already having with that evening's guest. So now we will be able to start doing call-in segments where people from the audience are able to call in and uh, and ask a question of the guest for the evening. So if there's ever going to be a a time to really make sure you know what you want to say. That's going to be it. Or else the embarrassment is going to be double. Anyway, welcome to the show. Quite frankly, superchat.com is the is the way that you jump in with me at, at, after we get uh, Timothy Gordon on the air. And you're still in the running. You are still going to be in the running for the... The wood creations from Dr. Gottwoods. I don't know a lot of people are doing that. And we're going to be giving away Matt's Mothman survival tips. That'll be at the end of the week on Cinco de Mayo. So welcome back. And I hope you're enjoying yourself. No, I thought I turned you off. Get out of here. Anyway, real quick. I'm going to do this at the end of our, our call with uh, Timothy Gordon. But the Media Matters. Did you see what Media Matters is trying to do with the leaked Tucker Carlson stuff? 
they uh, they leaked Tucker Carlson clips, like behind the scenes clips and production clips and all that stuff of him cursing and cracking jokes and being lewd and all that stuff. And they thought it was gonna they thought it was gonna like hurt him. I think they they really thought it was gonna hurt him. This is from Town Hall. Media Matters have been publishing leaked behind-the-scenes videos of Tucker Carlson during his time at Fox News, showing the popular host in more candid moments, but while trying to paint Carlson as a man deserving to be fired. It has only so far made Media Matters look like the hacks and fools that they are. If Lawrence O'Donnell, what was his name, Lawrence O'Donnell? Is that the one that started screaming he's a maniac? You think that he's not a maniac like that most of the time? With the stop the hammering. You don't think that these are maniacs most of the time? Image-obsessed maniacs? At least Tucker Carlson had a damn sense of humor. Lawrence O'Donnell was nuclear. He was just a nuclear... Oh, man. Anyway, um, this guy, Matthew Gertz. Matthew Gertz, he's a senior fellow at Media Matters. He posted the videos of Carl, uh, Carlson, and we'll watch them later on. He thought that this was going to hurt him. And I, when I started uh, coming out there, I didn't even know who Matthew Gertz was. I thought that he was just alternative media. And then I looked at his bio, and I saw Media Matters. and said, oh, wow, he thought that this was going to be bad? Shit. Matthew Gertz should do an expo. You know what he should do? He should do an expose on all the sex toys that they have lying around in the break room at Media Matters. That would be interesting. I can't wait to see the butt plugs the size of parking cones and things like that. The anal beads, which are pretty much just like tennis balls. And I would love to see that. A little expose on all the sex toys they have lying around at the break room. That would be really... Matthew Gertz, somebody get him on that. Very, very compelling stuff. Very compelling. So we'll do all that stuff in a, in a little bit. I'm in a mood tonight, if you haven't noticed. I'm in a little bit of a mood. And I cannot wait. Where is, uh, is Timothy here? Good. Good. I need to talk to a friend. A friend in need. That's what I am right now. That's what I am right now. I am a friend in need. I need Timothy Gordon to come hang out with me. What's going on, Tim? Tim, you hear me? He's looking at me. There he is. Tim? It says he hears me. Tim? We're looking at each other. (laughs) Tim? Tim, hello. Welcome. It's good to hear from you, too. Oh, everything's fine. He's not talking to me. I'm just trying to make you nuts. Tim, are you there? Tim's muted? Hold on. Let's, let's unmute him. Tim, you see me. We're good to go. Hold on. What's that, Tim? Oh, I didn't know that. A a trampoline that size? How does that even happen? Well, I'm sure he'll be here in a second. We can always go to the Tucker Carlson clips if you want, just to be able to to be able to pass some time. We talked a little bit about the that and that. Uh, Patrick Bet David. That's what I'll say real quick. Patrick Bet David of Valuetainment. He came out 
and he put a, a big open letter on Twitter. And he offered, Tucker Carlson, he said, come and meet with me. I want to give you $100 million for like four or five years, a, uh, a, a, stake, a stake in valuetainment. And I said to him, I said, well, you know, Tucker Carlson, he doesn't need any of that stuff. But, but I, I, if you're going to take a, a meeting with anybody, I would hope that he does take a meeting with a Patrick Bet David type. That guy's pretty cool. He's done a lot of great work. I love his interview style. He has got some great bookings, and um, I think it would be interesting. I think that would be an interesting uh, pairing, but um, yeah. All right, well, Tim is going to try to hop back in. Let's listen to a little bit of Tucker Carlson over here. Wait a second. Oh, my computer is going all nuts. Nuts. Hold on a second. Hey, Tim, you hear me? You hear me now? All right, well, while he works on that, here's the first Tucker Carlson clip. Uh, he's talking to Pierce Morgan. I guess it's supposed to be too raunchy. Everyone in this company is thrilled that you're doing this. I've gotten more calls from people. Great. Well, i got to say, I've, I, when I came to... Um... New York a couple of weeks ago. I couldn't believe how welcoming and friendly everybody was. It was fantastic. I loved it. Yeah, they they really mean it from the owners on down. Yeah. Um, it's cool. It's cool to see it. I like that. It's it's a good, you know, people are nice in this company, I think. They've always been nice to me agree anyway. I completely agree. Everyone's been very, very friendly and very nice, and I really appreciate it. Uh, but thank you so much for coming on. It's, uh, it's yeah, fantastic. I bet that doesn't change. Of course. Yeah. It's just great to have you on my show. I mean, I've been on yours enough times. It's great. I think it's totally cool. So let's, um, is, if we're going to talk about sex, I'd love to hit some of the fine points of technique. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but it's your show. It's totally up to you. We can certainly talk about your sexual technique, especially after your tanning testicles last week. <laughs> Not mine. I, we'll, we'll speak in more general terms, but I've got something to add. Now, these are great candid moments. These are fantastic candid moments. First of all, we all know about the testicle tanning. I was, uh, I was, I was very surprised to hear that there is actually some scientific validity to uh, testosterone boosting by getting some sun on your balls. I was I, I thought it was just one of those uh, hippy dippy fads, and then of course we had that night over here with uh, Jay Gulinello where we all tanned our our balls. No, where he actually talked about the science that was actually behind it. He said, "You've got to be kidding me! This is real." He said, "Negligible change, but yes, it's real. Yes, it is real." Let's try again with our good buddy Timothy Gordon. Hey, Tim, how you doing? Hold on a second. He's almost there. Tim, you all right? Doesn't hear us. Is it because of me? It can't be. Nothing has changed over here. Join audio? Hold on. Uh, Tim? I got you. I got you. How the hell? Up, I don't know what the hell. You know what? Your old setup might have worked then because that seemed like it was on me. But my settings had never, ever changed, and suddenly I had to reconnect my audio for the first time since the first time I used this thing. 
That's weird. So that, yeah, so I, yeah, yeah. That, that definitely uh, it wasn't working at first on the phone either. Well, I, I hope I didn't cause you too much grief because I think that was all on me. No, no worries. Well, I'll we'll, I'll just keep this one now. But uh, how the heck are you? Yeah, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. Well, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm in a little bit of a mood tonight, but I think that uh, I think that we have enough to work with here to to get us all through. Oh, you want me to ask you? What have you heard in your circles about this very secretive mission that the, the that the the Pope says he is uh, he's trying to work on on some kind of a peace deal in Ukraine? Yeah, it's not a lot in, not a lot out. I, I've heard that, um, but obviously the Catholic circles are being tight-lipped about this because it I don't know it doesn't look good for the Pope. I mean. Um, he, he he runs close with with WEF. He has ongoing talks with China, so nefarious characters to be in tight with. And this is, I, I would speculate, some sort of inner track for him. People are not proud of the fact that this is an insight he might have. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm not hearing a lot. The Orthodox, lowercase O, Catholic circles are not are not proud that he would be this well connected um, to make any kind of difference, plus or minus. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I me, uh, of course, I, I'm always just sitting back looking at all this stuff from a windswept house standpoint now. It's all about, it's all about deep state, deep church, where are we going next? That's really what it is. I, uh, especially since, as I said, um, like when people talk about there's going to be a, there's new. There's a reckoning for certain types of drug dealers in the world, or there's going to be a reckoning for a, a one player or another. All these things are are controlled. You you can't sell drugs in on the planet without the without the uh, the permission from the higher ups in places like the CIA. There is going to be no peace deals in the U in Ukraine uh, brokered by the Vatican unless it is some sort of a, a kabuki theater. Uh, something that has been orchestrated by Agenda 2030 Stooges and and all for the, the ability of, I don't know, playing to the masses in one way or another. It, it makes zero sense, and I guess I'm just in an observational standpoint here, so I figured I'd ask you. The other thing, yeah. I, go ahead if you had anything to add to that. Well, of course I agree, and um, yeah, I don't know. You know, you know the Vatican has had talks with with wef which is why i mentioned that before and it's all windswept house i, I, I don't have much, too much to add there aside from the fact that none of it looks good <laughs> it all looks bad i know bad. i know and, and all along there's hundreds of thousands being hundreds of thousands of people being slaughtered out there in europe so um every day is uh, a new nightmare unfolding but you know i wanted to ask you about something that's going on here domestically because it's got me it got me asking a lot of questions it's just bringing up conversations i always wanted to have that's why i called you today and said you got to come on and um first of all let me also just say you've been doing great work on your channels i'm glad to see uh you you keep you kicking ass the way you have been and um and it's it's good to see that thanks bro i mean like the the demonology stuff is always a draw and it's always positive i mean we've talked so much about malachi martin together author of windswept house he had been a roman catholic priest for almost i think 
a decade and a half, two decades before he quote unquote converted, and it was because of exorcism. So my close work with my friend, Father Crow, you know, it, being able to publish that, it, it hasn't lent to my, my you know, conversion. I had a sincere conversion 15, 14 years ago, but it, it's good to be able to connect with guys like Father Crow and the uh, Skelton crew in a nearby diocese in a nearby state where I, I've helped in some exorcisms because it's good shit to share around and it helps people to red pill fast. Oh, I would, you know, I don't know when it, when it would, it would be appropriate, but I'd love to have you and, and your, your friend, father crow on, uh, he, first of all, it's just so crazy how young he is. And for you guys to have been, I would love to for you to tell in whatever form you can a little bit of the story of what you've done together and and the and the souls you're trying to save because in this kind of battle like mentality as I still have not been able to talk to an exorcist one on one before or or at all so that's something that's just so incredible to me but the the reason why the demonology stuff is so important right now aside from it just being I don't know. It's for for whatever reason we all love going into haunted houses. We love watching scary movies. There is just something that makes you think that uh, even if it's a dark force, uh, there's there's more to life. There's more mystique to life and what we're involved in than just getting up every day, going to buy the groceries, coming home, and there's nothing else than that. That there are other layers to this reality. That we are in the middle of it. We don't really properly understand our role and uh, and our positioning in the entire thing and 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 when it comes to our our situation right now i always say we are so far beyond the pale we're so far beyond politics to describe what's going on especially the behavior of average people we're so far beyond it so whenever you do things about deep dives into certain historical uh thing i know you do liturgical things and whatever too but history and then the occult, what is beyond the eye, the mystical, that is always going to be a big draw, especially since more people who don't really even have their their faith uh, worked out yet are starting to assume that there is more playing out before our very eyes than, than, and than what meets the eye, of course. Well, that's why it's so important that fathers of households know whether you're nominally Christian or whatever, that there, there's a there's a real case for patriarchy. I mean, the patriarchy built Western civilization. We're not doing a feminism thing tonight, uh, but Father Crow came on my show recently and we, we did a, a title called um, Demonology and the Patriarchy, or I think he wanted it called Exorcism and the Patriarchy. And what he showed was essentially a proof text for, for my work, which is you know the case for patriarchy by saying, look, an exorcism has like no efficacious, very little efficacious grace that it confers if the husband's not involved in the first place because the husband has jurisdiction in the spiritual realm over the household. Pretty much all kids or wives that get possessed do so because the husband's not involved wow. as the priest, prophet, king of the household, priest, prophet, king of the household, which all husbands are in the, uh, the laity patriarchy it's a bifurcated patriarchy the priesthood's all male priesthood and presbyterate and episcopate is all male as you know from windswept house that's the higher one but the lower ones the household lay patriarchy and all husbands are in charge of their houses and father crow attests without fail categorically a 
an exorcism usually began by having an uninvolved priest, prophet, king of the household. Your father's not involved, the husband's not involved. And therefore, if the husband's not interested in coming along with mom to a, a kid being exorcised, Father Crow can do nothing because it's kind of a shared jurisdiction between the, the parish priest or the, the exorcist and the household priest, which is the father. Isn't so that, it's, very, it's a very interesting proof text, and he, he was sharing some stuff that surprised me on that most recent show on my channel, Timothy Gordon on YouTube. You guys should check it out. I saw a little bit of that. I'm glad you brought it up because it's gonna come up again in this next topic that we're gonna do. But it's also very interesting to think about the way that we are, we we, we get these um, these sales pitches from, uh, you know, the, these federal, these federal education nuts that are always talking about jurisdiction over a child. It's it's incredible that for for those who really take account of what what is good for the soul and what keeps uh what keeps uh, people protected from unwanted spirits entities anything like that that could really corrupt a person uh they acknowledge that the the presence of a man the the male figure of the household to be there and to be uh, active in the in in the act of protecting and and solidifying that uh the you know just the the security of their family that there is that shared responsibility but they are are chief among and if they are not involved it all goes away in the in the kind of brainwashing this new uh religion that they're marching out and trying to implement through the state they don't want the parents involved at all especially strong fathers they want them out of the picture um, and, and they want to assume all of the training. They're, so, they're socializing. Um, I, now we're seeing more and more there are states that are trying to pass legislation to make it illegal for teachers to help children gender transition without their parents even knowing. So that's going on in some places where teachers are behind the parents' backs helping children uh, adopt new pronouns and shit like that, which obviously they hope is going to lead to surgeries. So, I mean, if you don't have, it's incredible what, what, what severing ties from your parents could really do. At the beginning of Western philosophy, insofar as all philosophy is quote unquote, a footnote to Plato says uh, Alfred North Whitehead. You have Plato going down the statist route, book five, the Republic saying that the state owns the child. And Aristotle, like all areas of the Aristotelian, you know, the peripatetic philosophy, he's really rejecting his teacher, Plato, saying, no, the, the, the child is owned by the father, not the state. And Aristotle sets the ground for what will be called subsidiarity in the Catholic intellectual tradition, you know, meaning local government. It's a wrong, it's a grave error to, for local government to not have the first right of refusal to occupy a legislative field. And uh, like everything else, the, the Neoplatonists of like St. Augustine's day really exaggerated the overlap between Plato and Aristotle's philosophy. They're really diametrically opposed in terms of epistemology, metaphysics, ethics, and because of those things on the bottom branch of the tree, political philosophy as well. But it's it's been odd to see how most people are brainwashed to think Plato and Aristotle kind of go together. But it's it's a it's a big question. The state definitely doesn't own the child, and yet they're they're vying for that dominion because now that the mask is off, the mask has been dropped the last five years, it's really Baal worship. 
And um, I would have laughed at that claim 10 years ago, even as a reverted Roman Catholic. I, starting five years ago, six years ago, everything's just different, man. And me and you have talked about this so much. Um, something like SatanCon is still something I would have kind of sniggered about. Oh, these are just dumb, either dumb golf kids without a sense of irony or stupid-ass wise, wise acres from the suburbs with a sense of irony. Uh, some smattering of these is what I would have thought Satan Con was 10 years ago. But um, the, the state has intervened in order to indoctrinate in this direction. It's clear. Oh, yes. Yes. I mean, we saw that with um, in Pennsylvania. I forgot what was going on with the, the, the after school Satan programs that they are that, that that there is. The state is actually getting involved in many places to make sure that these people's rights to, to do this and to and to, of course, um, target all of their programming for children is not impeded on at all. Here is a little, and I, I'm glad you, you set us up that way because here's a little bit from the Washington Examiner about Satanists uh, shredding the Bible and pro-officer flag at SatanCon 2023. Satanists applauded Friday as leaders of SatanCon 2023 opened events by shredding symbols of oppression, they called them, including the thin blue line flag and a copy of the Holy Bible. Quote, we stand here today in defiance of their siege and destroy their symbols of oppression. One leader, a woman, of course, announced to the crowd before shredding pages from the Bible, according to a report. I was watching this woman. Um, I have some of this. Uh, I have some of the footage of this over here, too. Here she is. Let's listen. Uh, I got a couple of this is from St. AVS. Put these clips together a little bit. Listen to this. You'll see. Um and of course, they say that they're not—they're not worshiping Satan. But of course, hail Satan all around. So then the uh, then the the purple haired witch goes and and starts shredding the Bible apart and and while she's doing it she's screaming hail Satan and of course they say they're not uh, this is a, a figurative thing this is a literary figure of rebellion it's not actually a person so um I, you know I I don't I don't know what to even what to even say to stuff like this but when you had said if this had happened 10 years ago, you would have thought that they were just like disaffected goth kids. And I really do think, Timothy, that some of them are. There's this one guy. Um, hold on. There's this one guy that is like he's all masked up. His eyes are darting all around. You can tell he's just a, he's just a poorly socialized dolt. Here he is right here. Hold on. It's always been about opposition to theocracy and authoritarianism. Satan to me is a very powerful symbol of um, rebellion and anti-authoritarianism. And, and it's only the, it's the same thing that they say over and over again. You know, so I I don't think that this guy with the mask on is actually a devil worshiper. I think that these are some of them are typical traumatized losers who have been turned into these sock puppets for powers that they could never truly comprehend. I don't think that they, they really even get it. Yeah, the dangerous part, um, oh man, I watched a movie from an evil movie house, according to my director friend, uh, Hereditary. Have you seen this shit? No. Frank? No. Don't watch it. I, I Now, there are real 
Kabbalic magic words from I think the Talmud um, spoken in that movie. Me and Steph fucking muted the volume on the TV. We're like, we shouldn't even be watching this horse manure. But I mean, like, the point is, people can actually people do according to Father Crow. So I'm citing him like I'm his mouthpiece. People do expose themselves to these risks all the time with talismanic otherwise empty imprecations. I was worried about having those words resounding throughout my home, you know? Uh, when, when you get your, you get your home, if you're a Roman Catholic or really any Christian, get your home blessed about once a year. I had a blessed by Father Mitch Packle when I first moved in here. I had Father Crow redo it because you don't know the kinds of spiritual apertures. And this stupid God kid, you know, poor, poor dolt, he, he doesn't know what he's opened himself up to and and um i have friends that are struggling with this and they don't know exactly how they opened up one of the apertures but the last two things frank that exorcists find out usually in order after a one to three year exorcism number uh, last, second to last thing penultimate thing is what opened you up how did you get invited into this person, the demon or demons? And secondly, what's what's your name, the demon or demons? Mm. And uh, so, so somehow, with the strategy, figuring out how they got in is one of the things that helps the exorcist pick them out. And remember, all an exorcism is for people like you know that are watching it with, with cross-eyed, uh, confounding this stupid kid at the Satan con. Um, all an exorcism is is torturing via counter imprecations, prayers, praise of the Holy Trinity, praise of the Holy Virgin. It tortures the demon until they no longer want to stay, and they'll go find some other warm body, so to speak. So it's it's counter torture uh, happening at every exorcism. I, I, I know, and and that's why um, I, I started reading Gabriel Amorth's book again. It's not it's not a long read at all so I wanted to just rip on through it and it's it's really incredible and and frightening too. I mean I I know that you've you've actually seen this now for yourself and I, I can't wait to have that conversation one day. But you know you did a, an episode with Taylor Marshall a few years ago about how the occult um uh they 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 have designed a direct inversion of the mass for yeah. people who and for people who claim to be without faith at all because all uh, all the people who usually come up and and have some time in front of the camera at these these uh, conventions or if they are representing any of the after school programs that are popping up around the country they will always say this is we are non theistic this is all very uh, literal this is not literal it's uh, the they are literal figures literary figures figurative ideas about oppression and, and about our relation to authority and bodily autonomy they go through those seven tenets which me and um, and uh, uh, Stephen Jonathan we were doing on the show the last time he was on here the seven tenets of the satanic church are the most ridiculous uh contradictory pieces of trash pseudo intellectual trash i've ever heard in my fucking life and <laughs> and, and and it's it's just incredible that these are the people who always get the airtime oh it's it's non-theistic we don't believe in any god it's just all it's all but 
for the people who proclaim to be without faith, they certainly are tied to people who all rely very heavily on ritual and tradition, no? Yeah, if they don't believe that it's, I mean, I, I'm not even, you and I know it's a, a filthy lie that it's not ritualistic and it's not actually playing on real efficacious preternatural forces. If not, though, for those in your audience scratching their head, it, they well understand the difference between purchasing uh, Eucharistic wafers, uh, which are just bread, at, like a religious supply, versus confected Eucharists, which are the body, blood, soul, divinity of our Lord. They they know the difference. They are all, and this is also Frank. Why it's so suspicious that starting in the late '70s, less than ten years after the uh, promulgation of the Missal of Paul the Sixth, aka the Novus Ordo Mise, the New Mass. Um, less than 10 years later, in country by country, there started being, it started in 1975, 76, 77 here in America, 78, 79 in other places in Europe, started being an, a, a rule-swallowing exception for people who you're supposed to receive the Eucharist on the mouth, who wanted to receive it on the hand. And what these goons do that go to satanic black masses is they receive on the hand, pretend to consume uh, I mean, this is this is horrible stuff. It gives me a shudder. And then they take the real confected Eucharist and they use that because they understand that is uh, actually there's efficacious difference in what they can conjure at a black mass. They, I, they don't I, just I, I didn't even think about that. That is the main. Re is that the main reason for? Um, I mean, obviously, I, I know that touching the host was was just something you just you're not worthy to, to touch it obviously but is that the main reason for it to be to actually create a black market for this stuff well i i say yeah you 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 got it right the ordinary reason is cuz you don't have uh, consecrated hands and it's supposed to go just straight straight on straight onto the mouth you know uh, the recipient the communicant is obviously supposed to be in a state of grace must be in a state of grace um and th that's why they used to do a ritual blessing of the throats once a year for the whole whole passageway um i remember that but yeah yeah I yeah remember that. i mean yeah. that's why you're supposed to have that with, with the with the two with the two candles any of these parents passing it out the extraordinary minister you know all of the uh susan from the parish council doing her thing it's supposed to be just the priest so the ordinary reason is to not defile it in an ordinary way but one of the extraordinary cautionary uh, concerns is, of course, that what what we're talking about here with black masses. Wow. Okay. See now, that, I didn't even think about that, and that is that is certainly spine tingling right there. And I, uh, you know, I one thing I would always ask myself when I look at this convention, especially when the the very strong woman goes up there. She's so strong and sassy, and so yeah. so liberated, purple haired witch tearing the pages out of the Bible, I always wonder, why isn't this sassy woman tearing the pages out of the Quran? Because, you know, of course, like before, like you were saying, with not with demonic possession, this is with everything else here, too, because they pick their targets like child molesters pick their targets. They want the most vulnerable with, with, with no will to fight back, who have preferably severed all ties with pr protective male figures. That is how child molesters really hone in. If, if a, a child has a, a strong man in their lives, they're not going to get touched. 
it's very rare they're not going to get touched so when i look at this the reason why i bring this up here is that you know i had a few um a few people ask me my opinion on about uh, about andrew the andrew tate saga namely his recent conversion to islam now i have no no interest in islam uh, but as he was gravitating toward it he made a series of very public comments that i i i couldn't disagree with and he said that yeah. he believed that Islam is the only authentic world religion left. If for no other reason that it refuses to be changed, it will fight for what it believes in, and for better or for worse, it is the metric by which all Islamic societies are unapologetically managed. Now, comparing Islam uh, compared to Islam, Christianity has been sapped of all of its fight. And, and, and that does not matter what denomination either. The whole God is in charge mantra is proof positive. Muslims believe in God is in charge too, but until God acts on his behalf, uh, I mean, they don't stand idly by if, they, if their culture, if their faith is in any way, shape, or form threatened. For as much people rip on, I mean, I, I just don't get this whole idea about the Christian tolerance. I think it has become very toxic because there is no greater threats than what are being faced uh, right now. And still, um, we're, we're waiting for courts that have been completely seized by the same dark forces to come to their senses and help us out legally. And it, it, this is, uh, this is an, an incredible time of strife right now. And, and there's still, there's no fight. I don't know if you've seen some of my tweets lately, but between my tweets the last month and then my my Friday podcast is always kind of a podcast within a podcast. I want to have you on it. It's called Christian Masculinism. We call it C-Mask. Uh, With me, Will Nolan from Nolan Knows, Dr. Michael Robillard, who is an uh, Army Ranger and an Oxford philosopher, and then um, the, the late, uh, the great Elliot Hulse, you know, strongman Elliot Hulse. We do that every Friday, roaming from... Uh, each of our four channels and we've covered in about triplicate the Tate thing because we've been going about six months and Tate's been in the news about three or four times so three of our weekly podcasts at least have been on Tate what he said specifically on Islam was undeniable as you've already noted Frank you can't you can't walk down a, a certain block or street in Paris or London and if you said something like uh, the equivalent of the piss Christ, which, which, cuckolded, uh, nanny chided, uh, suburbanite men uh, would would allow in Christendom and have allowed, if you said the equivalent something about the prophet, the, the so-called prophet Muhammad, you would get the fucking factory reset, right? You would get curb stomped. There's no doubt about it, and there's something admirable that way. My, you know, Michael Robillard always talks about, hey, you know, Muslims still know you travel in packs. Um, you know, so in, it, this is something men do: travel in, travel in gangs. All these problems you see on like fight fight videos. Me and Steph end up watching fight videos on Twitter more than anything else. You know, I've I, um middling experience probably eight nine ten street fights under my belt when i was a youth playing music and you, you if you have your crew you're always good so islam understands you always circle the wagons 
you always defend the holy, what, what for them is the holy, their, their errant notion of it. And, um, and you, you never give up ground and you cover, you know, you cover each other's sixes and stuff like that. Basic man stuff that suburbanite and urbanite Christendom has long forgotten. I mean, urban, there's no such thing as urbanite Christendom anymore. The American cities are a, a cultural wasteland, a dreamscape of, like, I don't know what it is anymore. It used to, you know, six years ago, if you watch a Brooklyn Nets game, it's all horn rim Buddy Holly glasses, cucks running, walking around with gel in their hair and like waxed mustaches and shit. That's not, those aren't even post Christians. Those are, it's just, it's just the new pagan wonderland. But suburbia is a, a, a pathetic place because it's got a bunch of nominal Christians who sit around. And figure out ways, like like he says in Grand Torino to the priest, like they assuage their consciences by saying, oh, "I'll let anybody walk all over me that wants to, and then I'll I'll go home and pray for a humble spirit to bear it." This is not the mark of Christendom. Christ is the ultimate man. He was the ultimate model for men. He was utterly manly. He formed a bullwhip in John's Gospel when people were desecrating the Holy of Holy, and he was he was whipping people. This is Mary is the ultimate exemplar for women christ her son is the ultimate exemplar for men it's the old testament model in all of the wisdom literature of the the king the old old testament king and his mother are the king and queen that's that's christ and mary the model of manhood and womanhood and there's nothing effeminate about it it's far closer when you inspect the scriptures and the the early days of christendom the first 300 years blood of the martyrs is the seat of the church far closer to the kind of hard scrambled manliness of islam but with charity on the other end far closer to that end than it is to the ultimately godless suburbanite semi-religion of uh, nominal christendom it's pathetic it turns my stomach and none of these guys have ever been in a fucking fight which is just sorry i don't trust you if you're a dude and you haven't been in fights oh I'm, i'll tell you there's uh there's a lot here, i got to say, I, that I, it's just starting to, to really wear on me that because I, I see it. I see it. And, and I'll tell you, I was seeing it before I was even starting to get called back to any faith. When I, when it, it, I was never in a spot where I was an atheist, I guess. I, I didn't know. I was in that agno- under that agnostic uh, umbrella there. And I just... I was in a place where I, I didn't have any time. I felt like I didn't have any time to even care at that point. I just have things to do. I, I don't I don't really want to rack my brain over this. But it was in noticing, it was it was in noticing this build up, this confrontation between a gigantic system, a godless system that has governments, it has it has captured churches, it has captured all these things, this whole big machine that is coming bearing down on people who may have some kind of connection to traditional faith and family values and all that stuff. And I'm saying to myself, man, oh man, I can see that this this confrontation is brewing here and it's so out of whack. It's to the point where it was uh, it was really like the, the the Colorado bakers with all the gay wedding cakes. That was something there that I 
I, I was getting I, I roped myself into those uh, into those arguments on the first episodes I did of this show many many years ago and I really just started you know bearing down saying well you know where the hell did all this vitriol come from from the people who just you know wanted to have equality for everybody and all that and I started seeing how this once very meek push for social equality and stuff had become very very quickly weaponized and militarized and and that's actually a big part of the reason why I started coming back to the faith itself because I saw a war brewing before I I had even been uh, touched by that that desire to pray again I just saw it happening and I, I and I didn't and I I saw who the real underdog was and this whole this whole idea of tolerance being that you know one of the, the tolerance being Christian is one of the greatest lines that are always rolled out to subdue Christian protests of any issue, one issue or another. The people who can't stand the name of Jesus being uttered in public suddenly become public relations, uh, uh, you know, for Jesus, claiming that he was a communist, he was a feminist, he befriended the prostitutes and the tax collectors. Makes you wonder why none of these people actually go to church if Jesus was such a progressive. But I mean, that was just uh, besides the point. So. Thank you for addressing that um, that concept of compassion versus tolerance too. That's uh, that's re- that's another thing I wanted to bring up with you. Yeah, those are, those are all great points. The like so much of post French Revolution leftism, the the last major attack on the church from without French Revolution. All of these marks from from economic socialism, um, feminism. The, the sex revolution, which is distinguishable from from feminism simplicitaire, I always mean first wave feminism, um, and all, everything that's downstream of those three movements, which is most leftism, you know, stuff like Skittles and and, and trans and and uh, democratic socialism, all that's downstream of of those three original iterations of 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 leftism after the French Revolution. It's all just domesticated Christianity. Frank, it's it's. Um, I won't even say Christ without the cross. I'd say it's it's like Calvary without the cross because they don't even want Christ. But it's obviously the, the cross without the the um, sanctification of holy holy suffering. It's uh, you know mercy without justice. And when me and me and Taylor Marshall, I think, made up this uh, compound like German term, it like mercy justice justice mercy two parallel lines which somehow meet somewhere in eternity according to the logic of god that's one of those ones god's ever just but ever merciful and so they always get rid of the the justice and just talk mercy the mercy is always according to certain special classes of heightened scrutiny (laughs) you know as if you're doing 14th amendment equal protection jurisprudence it's always well if you're a special class of grievance mongerer, like a, a woman or a minority, or now the the weird, strange new world uh, special classes involving the loins, then you get extra, you get heightened scrutiny. You get it. You have an easier job selling it. But it's all just, you know, Christianity without the cross, without Jesus. It's Calvary without the cross. So. I think I think that's it, it sells well with the suburban losers who are nominal Christians that that comprise too much of the so-called practicing 
uh, the constituency of Christendom in America anymore. You know, I started looking at this. Um, I wanted to go way back in, in the last couple of the last couple of weeks. I have been I, no no books yet. I have to go out and buy buy myself a good series of books on the subjects of the Crusades, and. But I have been going back. I've been trying to find really good documentaries, uh, independent documentaries and filmmakers, people that are outside. I don't want to listen to any History Channel nonsense or Ridley Scott or whatever. But I wanted to learn a little bit more about the Crusades. And the more I, I dig into it, I got to say, man, um, first of all, the Crusade, you can say this about any major events in, in human history, but that's one of those uh, indispensable reasons why you and I are even talking right now on this uh on this show um and i'll i'll never i'll never ever apologize for them ever again after i read into the absolutely i would never apologize for the crusades or have to uh have to to, to, to backtrack on why they happened or why they were necessary at the time man uh it, it is the opposite it is the opposite of where we are right now to, to see certain deaths stare you in the face and to, to, to rally the banners, to rally all the bannermen and say, hey, uh, we, we need to preserve ourselves here. And instead, we are in this, um, it's not even a tactical retreat. We are just, our tails are between our, our legs right now. Have you ever done any deep dives into the Crusades for your shows? What, what would you want to uh, convey onto us about that whenever you talk about Crusades with students of yours or, or anything like that? <laughs> well, one of one of the three tweets that got me fired and ca canceled in California is theology department chair was a, you know, what they called an anti-Islam tweet. I sign off every show with the call sign Deus Volt, which means God wills it, which is what the Crusaders yelled as they uh, stormed in, in their holy wars. All of the Crusades, aside from the fourth is still a church-recognized holy war. It never, ever apologized for them. The only reason the fourth crusade wasn't considered a holy war is because there were some too many wayward Christians that were stopping off plundering. I think I think Jerusalem, but um, look, it's all based on post Hijra Islam. Um, there's this stark KT boundary, uh, dichotomous boundary between pre Hijra Islam, which is the, the the flight of Muhammad and Ali, his uncle, from Mecca to Medina. Um, so the early spots in the Quran, the Quran uh, operates on the principle of abrogation, meaning the later passages trump the earlier, Frank. And pre-Hijra, that means flight from Mecca to Medina, th there are there are indeed peaceable passages in the Quran where, you know, where Muhammad and occasionally Ali are saying, hey, don't convert the infidel by sword. Okay, that's good. And that's what your, 20 years ago anyway, lefty college professor who was semi-tolerant, now now it's probably a whole new ballgame. They would just be saying kill Christians, I think, in, in universities now. But when I was in college, my lefty, uh, pro-tolerance, anti, soft anti-Christian professor would be saying, Islam's, Islam's not in, in inherently militaristic. Now look at all these passages. Those are all pre-Hijra uh, surahs in the Quran. Um, but after the Hijra, one of the great mysteries is that Muhammad and Ali got run out of their hometown, Mecca. They fled to Medina. And by the time they got to Medina, they were rock stars. 
uh, people can't figure this out. Well, by the time they became rock stars in the late career of the warlord, Muhammad, all of that peace and tolerance business went right out the window. And of course, these are later surahs of the Quran, meaning it abrogates the earlier passages, such that Robert Spencer, who's, who you really have to read if you want to study the uh, the Muslims or the Quran, he, he has a fatwa declared on him personally, so that's fun. He says that Muhammad fought in ninety, uh, sorry, seventy nine battles, and seventy eight of them were offensive. Only one of them was defensive. So, and he's a great, great, great scholar. So, there's there's a lot to defend there, but the church still stands by all except the Fourth Crusade as a holy war. Never give up ground on this. Same thing with the Spanish Inquisition. Always defend defend our own six on these things because the the church did not make any errors here. So you're absolutely right to have that. Well, you you always have good spot on intuitions, Frank. Well, uh, I'm, with the the Spanish Inquisition, I actually don't really have that much of. Uh, an intuition with it all. I, I know what we were told about uh, with this 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 ultimatum about conversion and all that. That's real. I, I don't have anything. I don't even know what question. I would love to do a show about it with you if you if you like. I'd like to talk about that. Um, and, and because I, I'm sure I can come up with some questions because I would be coming from a place of ignorance, and I would like to do a little bit of prep and all that stuff and see what uh, I, I want some clarity on. And, and yeah, it, that would be nice, because really nobody I know even knows what the hell the Spanish Inquisition is. These things are just repeated in our lives, the Crusades. Um, the Crusades, the Inquisition, these are, these are just general concepts that are repeated in our lives, terms that are thrown around to be able to cast aspersions on a person and behavior that they're they're committing to that is apparently has to be taken as negative if if you know uh, you 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 go and you um you reference the inquisition when you're you're trying to forcefully draw something out of somebody and uh you know threaten them with death to do something they don't want to do it usually has some kind of a a religious zealot uh, aspect attached to it. The Crusades are actually, uh, is of course, they're only used as an example for unwarranted wars to just uh, rob uh, people uh, of, of their, their treasures and all that stuff. So I, I would love to get some real great deep dives on this stuff. We should, we should set it up for the rest of the year. Yeah, we should. Yes, we should. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. It's like, Crusades, Inquisition, Galileo, Copernicus stuff, all of it's, as, as people out there who are, are, are frankly across our land already know, all this stuff is utter nonsense. So yeah, I, I'd love to lay it all out. You know, I have one last question for you, and it, it comes in the form of an email that was sent to me by a friend of ours, Mike in Pittsburgh. And I was on my, my morning show with my friend Tracy on a Monday morning, and we were talking about, forget what it, what it was, but what, what came up was the, um, what came up was the, the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. And I had mentioned how I really, when I started paying attention to the prayers I say every day, and I actually started reading, reading, I wanted to read through line by line the prayers, and I wanted to actually contemplate the words I was saying and what it meant and all that. And when I was getting through, even just looking at the Lord's prayer again, I saw that, uh, that as, as we forgive those 
who trespass against us, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And when I got to that line, I'd, even today, I sometimes just hang my head in shame. It is the hardest. That is the hardest thing to think about right there. Um, for forgiving people, especially if they're if they're lined up against you in such vitriolic and hateful ways. And I get here's what uh, Mike had said in response to this. I got it in my email. He said, "Hi, Frank. I had to chuckle when I heard you talk about the Lord's Prayer with Tracy yesterday on Uncovered DC. I also wondered uh, about the line as we forgive those who trespass against us. I guess it depends on the meaning of the words forgive and trespass. Specifically, I find it hard to believe that trespass against us to include hating our guts, doing anything to ruin our lives, and wishing us dead. I like to interpret the line to mean that I don't hate those people, and I pray for those that are trespassing. Uh, I pray that those trespassing people see their evil ways and obtain forgiveness from God. However, I'm very far from being a religious expert maybe someone like timothy gordon would be able to shed some light on this so how do do you take that because we're talking tonight we're talking about existential threats we're talking i mean that's really uh, a big thing but the the losers that got together in boston for uh, the satan convention i are they do we have to worry about them coming to our houses those people in particular no but they represent a growing movement a a growing plot that has taken a long time to fester that is an existential threat when we talk about crusades those were decisions made in the face of existential threats so when you talk about this prayer and then you talk about the 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 necessity for preparing uh, uh living life in a potential war zone spiritual or otherwise how do you interpret this line well i, I would go to um, scripture, uh, Matthew's gospel, chapter 18, Jesus talks about, um, Jesus directly, uh, you know, Matthew's writing to the, to the Jews as Mark is writing to the Romans, Luke's writing to the Greeks, John's above everybody's head, but Matthew's writing to the Jews who are concerned with family relations. And so he says, what about two quarreling brothers? Well, first, you know, if your brother offends, you go directly to him and give him a chance to defend himself or to apologize. He might not even know that he's offended you. If he doesn't hear you, bring um, two or three others along to kind of help mediate, grace the skids. And um, and finally, bring the whole church. That means bring a representative of the church, I guess, like a priest. And um, if he still won't hear you, treat him like a, a, a tax collector or a scribe. So, you, you know, you're not responsible for reconciling with everyone in your life it's uh, this side of the eschaton you you should try with people where there's a um preternatural relation like your your you know your parents or your your siblings but um you're not even responsible for being in contact with your your parents or your siblings if they're coming at you but saint augustine distinguishes between forgiving someone you should pray for them all the time then um, what you're responsible for, according to Augustine, is is it will, to forgive them in your heart, you don't have to necessarily reconcile with them. You know, Augustine says you do have to have an apology, as Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18. And that's with loved ones or people that were formerly intimates. With our enemies, now we always have to pray for them. If we have the opportunity, we, uh, you know, we 
with self-sacrificial love, we make some offering. But the martyrs in the first 300 years of the church, we would apply just war theory. The fourth prong of just war theory out of the Catholic tradition is there has to be a reasonable chance of winning. So for the Christian martyrs, laying down the life was the best thing. That's radically different in a, a pre-Constantine world where Constantine really made it fashionable after the Edict of Milan in the Roman Empire to be Christian. And then it became, you know, late Roman Empire kind of crumbled. And the second Roman Empire was the Holy Roman Empire under guys like Charlemagne, where for the next thousand years, Christianity would reign in what was really Europe. And that's why the church says, no, defending your own once the culture has been turned around from this pagan early Roman culture in 100, 200, 300 AD, now we have the responsibility and the opportunity with a healthier Catholic culture to make more conversions. So we're not accountable to give up, uh, to forfeit the Christian culture. So when people look at that, they can't square the, you know, the period of the martyrs for 300 years when it was still a pagan culture that abided. And after the Edict of Milan in the fourth century, Europe was really turned around for 1,300, 1,400 years. The church says it's good to defend our Christian majority and our, our culture, and that's been getting turned around since the late 1800s, so with the kind of pagans making a push back. So now we're at this period where it could kind of go either way. It's a point of inflection, and the question comes up, what do we do? Uh, people ask me all the time, Tim, you and your C-mask buddies, everyone's talking about having been in fights and lifting weights and being strong and owning guns and all this. Like, it wasn't Jesus a pacifist? No, no. That's part of the uh, radical commandeering of Jesus. He was not a pacifist. It's context, heavily context-specific. Um, and, you know, if you're, if you're in the radical minority, the best thing you can do is go find your cross, be crucified on it, like Jesus. If you're in the majority, we're not responsible yet for giving up the culture, giving up the ground to the the you know Baal worshippers. Hmm. I think that's a very very complex answer, and if, again, it's a it's a very complex uh, uh, con uh, uh, subject. You know what yep. what are what kind of a person are you, and what do you do when you, you have the wolves at the at your back door? You have an escape route. What if your escape route is blocked? What are you going to do for your last stand? And obviously, we have a long way to go before that. But you can you can start you can start feeling that uh, that that hot breath on the back of our necks right now, and uh, and it's taking its form in so many different in, in different in different ways. And like we opened up with tonight, Tim. Uh, I think a lot of a lot of people are being drawn, even if they haven't been to uh, church in a long time. They don't know where their heart lies with all this stuff, uh, the the metaphysical, the concept of and the the existence of God. There's a lot of people who still have a lot of questions to answer for themselves, and in many ways they've they've answered those questions. But in looking at the world that we are in. There are less and less ways of explaining what we're seeing with just the the regular old geopolitical breakdowns and your poli sci degree and there's very there's less and less ways and that's why I think um, you're you people like you gain a lot of traction when you talk about the unseen and uh, and those who who can can give a little bit more insight into those worlds so that's uh that's where I wanted to leave off here tonight. We got to do more on the on the Inquisition, on the Crusades. We got to go above and beyond, man. This this is going to be fun. 
Awesome. Yeah, what, I, it's always fun doing this stuff with you, Frank. And I would just, as a sign-off, remember what um, Atlee and Child said, the Australia's Got Talent guy that went to Hollywood. He's like, look, there. if you're, if you're a secularist, a, a kind of tolerance and peace-loving secular guy, atheist, agnostic, whatever, the people that run Hollywood, the people that run Los Angeles and, and um, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., New York, they're laughing at you at the wheels of power. They are all preternaturalists. They know the stupidest superstition out there is atheism. You know, it's, it's Ed Fazer called it the last superstition, right? You're the ultimate butt of their joke. Yeah, they make fun of um, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because they're, they're demons. But they, they don't say Christians are the stupidest. They just make fun of us because we're the enemy. They say the stupidest ones are the secular. So don't be the butt of their joke. This stuff is absolutely real. Things move from being a political war to an info war. And now we're finding ourselves at the dawn of a new civilization. Society uh, woke up and found itself in the midst of a spiritual war. That's where we're at. Timothy Gordon, everybody go check out his uh, YouTube, timothyjgordon.com is his website. He'll be back again. Is he, oh, actually, we might talk to you again soon. I have other little things I'd love for you and Steph to stop by. I, I uh, send all my love to her and the children. And, uh, and, of course, we'll talk afterwards, man. Thanks for all the time tonight. Thank you, Frank. Yeah, all my love to your fam, too, as well. All right, be good. Peace. There you go. All right, so we're going to take a little bit of a break. And when we come back, what time is it? 8.28, we actually might have some time for calls. We might have some time for calls. There's always time for one last call. Oh, wait, no. I can't take calls. Can I? Hey, Siri, call 914-595-6953. Make it fast. Calling plus one. All right, enough of that. Shut up. Just shut up. Let's see here. It's not popping up over here. Nope, it's ringing. But I'm looking at the Skype, and it's not happening. Oh, isn't it, isn't it a marvel? Hey, you know what? Necessity is the mother of invention. I'm not necessarily going to be inventing anything new to solve this problem tomorrow, but I am going to be pushed into a new direction that is actually going to improve the show because uh, in the future, we will be able to take on some of your calls to pose questions to Timothy Gordon or, or bring things up just to throw into the, into the conversation, the conversational mix. We will be able to do that before long, maybe by tomorrow, hopefully. Hopefully. Anyway, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. No. No, Frank. How's wrong with you? It's intermission time, folks. Time out. Press the like button. Thank you. Ladies and Welcome to intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, intermission. 
Got some super chats for you. Oh, I had another article I could have brought up with Timothy Gordon, but it would have taken us off the uh, off track. And I got to bring it up later. I'll, I'll show it to you. I got to bring it up at another time when he's on. All right. Quite frankly, superchat.com. Let's see some of the new people who are going to be in the running for these wonderful, wonderful wooden creations. By Dr. Gottwoods. Look at that. Gorgeous. You want some Sapili wood? It is an over the oven, over the stove, over the stover. Look at that. You put all of your cheeses, all of your meats. It'd be great for hosting on Christmas Eve, don't you think? And all you got to do is, to get into the running is send in one super chat at some point from now until Friday. I kind of want to include Friday though, so maybe we should just do the, the 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 drawing on Monday so people have all of Friday to do it. Because it's such a this is over three hundred dollars. This thing, you throw in a two dollar super chat and you get something for three hundred dollars. That's a pretty good deal, no? I think so. So maybe that's what we'll do. Maybe we'll just extend it beyond the weekend so we can get it at least a full week. Um. Here's the Super Chats. Quite frankly, superchat.com. The Sentinel says, great show. I hope you find a new reliable phone service. Jesus did say, love those that hate you, bless those that curse you. And if you are struck, turn the other cheek. Well, we only have two cheeks. Right? So I, I wonder about that stuff. Because then where does just war come into it? Where does self-defense come into it? When you are... You, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of guys 
in this uh, in this audience and a lot of the ladies too there's a lot of badass ladies out there in this audience uh, who would not suffer one cheek being struck of anybody in their family in their presence that's what I'm talking about existential threats it's one thing to maybe use this I don't know as you go off into the world and conduct yourself in business and social but when it really becomes existential I I think I think all that goes out the window all right reels over feels oh and then uh, Peter took a guard's ear and Jesus healed him in the garden that's what the sentinel left with thank you for that sentinel reels over feels says I love it when you get angry for us Frank oh I did it all for you guys it's not, it, it's not that I'm actually working through something over here. <laughs> I've got to get angry for these people tonight. They need it. I know it. <laughs> um, thank you, Reels. I think that's Wendy. Isn't that, isn't that Wendy? What's going on, Wendy? If it is you. Troy Rhodes says, ask Tim what he thinks Elijah caught a ride on. Oh, I didn't see this. Tim, if you're watching, what do you think Elijah caught a ride on? Ken McNeil says, Morse code. Thanks for the laughs, Frank. Momentum. Oh, by the way, yeah, I know. That that was a... I, she, you know that uh, Rachel Maddow has a, has a blinking problem. I've pointed that out in the past, too. But this Corinne Jean-Pierre, she's on another story. She's blinking while her eyes are already closed. What is happening? But thank you. Thank you so much, Ken. And what else? What was I going to say? As far as momentum goes, if you're watching on Rumble, if you're watching on Rumble, ladies and gents, please hit the like button. We'll see how many people are watching in just a second. And on YouTube, hit the like button. I want a million likes on YouTube. Let's get to a million likes. Everybody hit the like button three times each. That'll get us there. KT Sky D says, how exciting about the new Zoom setup. Loving the show as always, Frank. I just realized that your show brings many smiles to my face every night. That's the stuff right there. That's the only stuff. The only stuff. American Girl 3 says, hey, Frank, a little something for the Jim Lee business account. That frozen pic of you is what I look like when my father calls and he's droning on and on about his expert knowledge learned from the world of MSM. God, it drives me nuts. Let me see if if, uh, Frank is still there. There he is. Oh, there I am. I'm actually putting all my media together. But I look, that's just how I spend most of my day. That's me hunched over uh, over the kitchen table, writing the show, fighting the clock. There I am. Very, it's my, me and my exhilarating state of existence. Thank you, American girl. I'm glad that we had that to uh, to relate to each other. Revolution says, Frank, don't spend $600 on TeamViewer. I'm confident Jim Lee is savvy enough to use tight VNC, Google Remote Desktop, or Mesh Control Central as your Skype situation considers getting a SIP, uh, as your Skype situation uh, consider getting a SIP trunk provider hosting your own 3CX phone system. 
maybe in the future, maybe that's the next thing I do. But for now, if I can, if I can add on just a couple of more services to the Zoom and learn a new method that consolidates all these programs, so I can only learn use one instead of two, and I can take calls now in ways that never before. I'm fine with the Zoom thing. As far as the Team Viewer thing, Jim has been out there looking all over the place. He spent a day looking all over the place. And um, and it's just, I don't know. It's not, it's not working out. Team Viewer has a monopoly on shit. And anyway, that is a, a yearly thing. And Jim, I, I, can, I guess I can just write it off at the end of the year. Always need things to write off, right? And anyway, that's another reason why you guys and gals are so good to me. Because yeah, I don't, I, I haven't had to do one of those money bombs or anything. That's why I say, just become a sponsor. $2 a month. $24 a year. Whatever the hell it is. And um, this, these are the kinds of things that we're able to just survive. And thrive past. Because I don't know what the hell's going on with this computer. If you, you should see the weirdness that goes on across blinking across all of the the three screens. It's so weird. I'm going to check our connections after this too. Uber Viking says, hey Frank, I think the reason people look into assisted suicide boils down to this. Wanting to die but not being able to do it yourself. This is a dangerous territory. Suicide shouldn't be simple because you can't go back once it's done. It's just my opinion. I totally get that. Not wanting to do it yourself. But what are you doing? You're going to a doctor's office. You're going to lay down. And he's either going to gas you. Uh, if you're going to lay there and have no regrets. And you're not going to stop anybody from putting a mask over your face. As you're taking all that down. Or if you're drinking your hemlock. Or whatever the hell else is going on. I mean you got to. Oh wow that was cool. Did you see the lava lamp finally fall down and splatter and. Goopy de goo. That was cool. Um, I know what you're saying, Youper, but I don't know. The difference between me going and just uh, popping pills myself or popping pills inside of a doctor's office with a mortician, I guess, just standing there waiting. It's so we. Oh, God, it's so fucked up. Oh, it's just. Oh man, it's just so it's just so off-putting. Gino says Francis off-topic, but I'm losing it. Am I losing it or do I remember someone on your show probably a year ago talking about the film that they were working on about the real Zapruder film? I remember being so hyped when I heard about it that I thought it was on your show about the real Zapruder film? I don't think so. Am I am I misremembering this? If anybody else knows what Gino's talking about right into the show. I don't I don't remember this. We talk about the Zapruder film more often than not. But I don't know anybody that was working on a a uh, a movie about it. Booze Fighter Ahab says one for the raffle. By the way, I'm a frankly, definitely not a Fran Sissy or whatever. Sorry, Matt. Well, I'll tell Matt you said that. And remember the Franciscans are a very radical sect. I would not want to get them angry. So the uh, let's go to Phil's WW. Phil's says, "Hey Frank, well my husband has blessed, has been blessed for many years with good hard wood, but I, 
but I'd be crazy to turn down extra, especially with you describing it as big and beautiful. Phil's. Calm down. It's just a stovetop cover. Please enter me into the raffle. Thank you and God bless. My gosh. <laughs> oh boy. All right. So let's. <laughs> All right, let's go here. Uh, Kurzka says I might need that uh, that Mothman survival guide with all these O'Hare sightings. Oh, I guess Kurzka's next to Chicago. Yeah. Well, hey, you could you could win it. Maybe I'll make this like a second. I don't know. I, I if I'm gonna send it all together, I should have worked all this out before. And Diana W. Thank you, Diana. No message, but I know what you meant. You want the wood. Let's see. Let's see, y'all. Um, over there on Rumble. Rumble, we've got Costco Law School that says, can you ask Jay Dyer to break down the work of William Gubson, specifically Neuromancer, all of the, uh, all about AIs trying to escape in psychotic elite doing cryogenics cloning to live forever. Again, Costco Law School, please send that to me in email. Quite frankly, super chat. Quite frankly, podcast at gmail.com. Jay Dyer comes on next week, so I'll just throw it right into my notes and I'll see where that leads. It, that sounds pretty interesting. I think I'd like to hear the answer to that. United 82 said, speaking of horror films, just saw the new Evil Dead Rise movie. It's good. Great addition to the originals. Wait, there's a... We have a new Evil Dead? So, Army of Darkness is is no longer the last Evil Dead? Costco Law School said, can you ask Jay Dyer to break down... Okay. Um, I don't know if that's different from the last one, but send it over to, quite frankly podcast at gmail.com thank you Costco and let's see what else do we have anything else yes tropical rocket says what are your thoughts on having a personal connection to God versus through a church and system I don't have a personal I don't have a connection to God through a church or a system all connections to God are personal Let's see here. Moving on to Rockfin. Rockfin, we have Fishhead Montana. Says, I know someone personally who performs exorcisms. I could definitely ask him, but you're going to have to quit snubbing my supers. Um, I read every last flat earth super chat that you send me, Fishhead Montana. I, what are you talking about? Don't make things weird. Guys, don't make things weird. Don't do that. But um, if you have a, a guest suggestion, feel free to email the show. Quite frankly, podcast at gmail.com. All right, let me see here. So um, I, just another uh, little thing for you guys. We have about 1,500 people watching on Rumble alone. 442 likes. Ladies and gentlemen, please. Please, ladies and gentlemen, one click. You have no clue. That, that would be as good as a super chat from all of you tonight because it means that 
with that boost in visibility on Rumble, the platform that is growing, and there's still a big opportunity for introducing myself to people who've never seen this show, that is how easy as it can be. Please give it a like. That would be wonderful. All right, over to soup to uh, to our gold pills on quitefrankly.tv. Taking care of all family business right now. Forkum Dano says, thanks, Frank. Always try to catch a live show. I'm, I'm glad you did. Titties and Beer just bought a bronze tier subscription. I love you. I love you so much. Thank you. Uh, Sean Joe, Paulie9363 says, tolerance. I wish I were better at turning the other cheek. Paulie, you're not alone. But then again, we're all human, right? Sean Joe, thank you. NJSF says illegal immigration is down with accounting tricks with rubber stamping them as refugees. Mm-hmm. Forkham Dano says a cookie for Timothy Gordon. Good going, Frank. Thank you, Forkham. Thank you, Doug Simmy. Mazington says always love when you have Tim on. I l- Listen, I-, I love chilling with Tim. I'm glad that I got to meet him and his family in the flesh uh, last year by uh, surprise. It was... It came together so quickly and out of nowhere, and I'm, I'm glad that that happened. And he, he's just a really good guy, good friend. Um, Sean Joe, thank you. Boys Blanc, Ginger45, uh, Amor Flow says I'm having a hard time finding the right church. I got told oh, I got told only in the hand when uh, last time I went. Oh, oh, I, 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 I know. I know. My, if you were, to, you can probably call into Tim's show or contact him, and he's he's spoken about it a lot. And I've noticed this thing here too, um, this mentality of going after tradition wherever you are. If you're Catholic, then there's certain traditions that you guys have that other denominations don't, and and whatever. But most denominations have seen a a twisting of the legs and the arms and a uh, commandeering of the faith by one organization or another, one nation or another, one whatever the hell's going on there. And um, and everything seems to be allergic to tradition, uh, especially if that tradition has deeper meaning and, um, you know, as, as it pertains to the sanctity of certain rituals and, and rituals very important Ritual is very important. So I would be, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I've been going back to church and nobody's shaking hands anymore. I mean, there's some things that were just changed because of COVID. Peace be with you. I got to be honest, as a kid, that used to be my favorite thing to do, shake everybody's hands around me. And then as I got older, it used to be the thing that I was nervous about the most. Like, oh, God, just got to get through this. Peace. And now everybody's just kind of like turning around going... Like, what? Okay, this is weird. Like, there's a lot... It it gets into everything. There's a stain in the carpet. And it's very hard to come out. Um, Squickly. Emailed you a book series. Please check it out. Very powerful. Thank you. Almost at 1,000 likes on Friday's show. Come on, Foxhole. Head over to Rumble for a quick thumbs up. Oh, yeah. If you guys want to cross over to places like Rumble and then... YouTube, go on a liking tour. Wherever you are, just go to the other place, just do some liking. Thank you, guys. Um, 
Homegoy says MS Quick Assist for remote screen sharing. My whole thing is that I need this to be an open, a constantly open line to Jim so that I can leave here and he can work on the computer for a couple of hours, which includes a couple of restarts and I don't have to be sitting here. I'll ask him. I mean, MS Quick Assist and... There's a few other things that we were given on the other super chat. I'll ask him one last time before I make the purchase. But Michael BKNY says, lay in the wood. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thank you so much. All righty. So let me, uh, I'm going to release the scratching. We're almost done here. I have a little bit more Fox News. I can do that tomorrow, though. I'll show that to you. I'll show the rest of that to you tomorrow so we could talk about the the big win that Media Matters had. I had an email here about the, the, the ABC airing the footage of the Twin Towers during the Knicks Heat game the other day. It was from Karen. She said this, Frankie, we think alike. I think it was on purpose airing this 22-year-old footage of the Twin Towers in the background with the foreground being occupied by the Statue of Liberty. I think it was on purpose, said Karen. They are saying everything is gone. Next, your freedom. That is why the Statue of Liberty was shown. It is next, and then they are done killing our nation. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe. But you cannot tell me that. Whoops. Whoops. How far into the archives did you have to go digging to whoopsie that on the television? Well, you just see what the hell just happened. Things just, but, whoa. You see? It's like poltergeist in here. I wish Jim Lee could see this so he, can, he knows exactly what he's going to be in there trying to fix. So, thank you for that. Uh, anything else I wanted to tell you? No. Now we'll do more tomorrow. Sean from the SGT report will be on. And um, and then we will go and uh, and push on into the, the rest of the week. I think this is a really, really great show. I have some stuff over here from... No, I thought that was, I thought that was for the... A network announcement, but it wasn't. My bad. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for everything. Thank you to Timothy Gordon for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you to all of our super chatters and friends and people who are liking and sharing the show. I hope that the conversation was stimulating, and I cannot wait to get into all those emails that will show up because tomorrow I may be able to bring this up with Sean and we can start, you know, recycling the exhaust, see what he thinks, bring in some of your thoughts. I'm going to be bringing up the voting. The voting rights question tomorrow with Sean. Tomorrow we're going to be doing the voting rights thing. It'll be a little bit with SGT, a little bit with uh, you guys afterwards. We'll definitely have some time for calls. And I know that you will enjoy the hump day programming. It'll be the third day of May. As for tonight, you guys have been wonderful to me and I'm, uh, I'm eternally grateful. So have a good night and take care of yours. And we will see you tomorrow. Good night. Bye. I'll catch you on the flip side.
Franklius Film of Our Live studio audience, and now our super chatters, starting with KT Sky D. Stostu, you just slipped in there. And, and, and um, Stostu said, great guest tonight, and quite frankly, thank you, Frank and Tim. Mara Frago says, have Dutch Sense on as a guest. He forecasts earthquakes. Yes, I know Dutch Sense. I know of him. For many years, we talk about it, but I can't, have had not any guests, uh, any, uh, any success, I should say. Thank you, Sentinel. Reels over feels. Troy Rhoda. Or Rhodes. Ken McNeil. KT Sky D. American Girl Revolution. Uper Viking. Gino. Booze Fighter. Phil's WW. Looking for that wood. Kurzka 22 and Diana W. I'll see you tomorrow, my friends. Thank you for tonight. <laughs>